Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Saturday, September 23rd, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to get things underway here at Hockey Night in New York. Brand new season. Very excited. A little season warm-up show here. We got Ethan Sears in-house from New York Post. And, of course, Stefan Rosner. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Let's get it going, fellas. How we doing? I'm doing fantastic. Let's get this going. It's been it's been a long summer. It certainly has. Ethan, how you doing? Thanks a lot for coming down. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Absolutely. So before we get going, I want to thank our wonderful sponsors, starting with the great Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Go satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. And of course, check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And of course, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. I want to send a big thanks to them for jumping back on with us this season. Had a great year with them last year. Very excited to have them back. So, fellas, hockey is back. New York Islander hockey is back. Rookie camp got underway. Now we're in training camp. You guys have been there. Stefan, let's start with you. How's it been so far? I think it's been great. The pace through training camp has been great. I think in rookie camp, you saw a lot of guys take those next steps. And we'll get to a lot of those guys later. But I think all in all, it's been very competitive. And I think that's exactly what the Islanders want. No question about it. So, Ethan, obviously you're back for another training camp here. Uh, what are you seeing out of this team? Are there any players that maybe you could key on and say, hey, this guy stood out maybe even in rookie camp? Yeah, I mean, just from, from rookie camp, I think you can talk about Isaiah George. You can talk about uh, William DeFore or Matt Maggio. Uh, for me, I think those would really be the three who who stood out to my eye and uh and from training camp so far i think it's it's pretty early on um but i mean just seeing arnaud durando skating with uh with matt barzal right or that i mean we kind of assumed that that probably won't last but it is <laughs> right a, a, you know it's it's nice to see and it's uh it's a cool cool little thing so far no question about it and just sticking with rookie camp for a minute obviously we have a new man at the helm here new head coach of the bridgeport islanders rick kowalski uh anything you guys have seen different with his methods during the rookie camp, kind of how he was leading camp and his approach to the players and whatnot, Stefan, if you want to hit that up. Well, I think he understands exactly what the point of rookie camp is, mm-hmm. is to really get them going into, into not crazily systematic stuff, but, you know, they know why they're there is to push each other, but also these are young kids trying to develop. And again, Kowalski's been around. He's just being appointed to head coach. So he knows a lot of these guys. I think that helps him a lot because you can see a Dufour. And he talked early on with Dufour had to get better at skating. And now that he's at rookie camp, you can see that. We talked about Simon Holmstrom, who he had in Bridgeport. He told me last year that Holmstrom issue was hitting the net. See him hit the net more. So I think it's things like that where Kowalski has a leg up. Same thing with Lambert. I know it maybe last season wasn't perfect in his first year, but he knew that group, and I think that's a huge advantage. No question about it. And Ethan, looking at rookie camp, I mean, look, we, we know that you know the, the Islander squad is almost set completely. We got a couple of storylines we'll look at a little bit later when we jump into to the full training camp, but any players that might even have a hint of cracking the Islanders lineup or even at least sticking as an extra, or you think most of those guys are just heading back to either juniors or Bridgeport? Um, I mean, as far as opening night, the only one who I think really is in the mix for a lineup spot would, would be Simon Holmstrom. Okay, sure, sure. Um, and a- outside of that, to me, you're probably looking at guys who are going to be called up, you know, if and when injuries happen. You know, DeFore when. is in that category. 
Maggio is in that mm-hmm. category. Right. Uh, George probably isn't because he has to go back to the OHL. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, especially in the forward group, they have some pretty good options there. That's good to hear. I'm sure Islander fans are happy to hear that. Stefan, you had noted during rookie camp that Johnny Boychuk and Dennis Steidenberg have been there. They're involved in the player development. Uh, how how have they looked as far as, like, how, is, how were the players responding to those guys kind of being there and being involved? Obviously, Johnny Boychuk was a very beloved player, not only in the locker room, but by the fan base as well. Dennis Seidenberg, a, a seasoned veteran who won a cup with Johnny Boychuk. H- how do you think uh, it went for the players with having those guys there? So I think a couple of them were in awe. I was talking with Maggio, and he said, those are the kind of guys you had on as posters on your wall growing up. Right, and I yeah. think I think it's cool for them, but also they said that they could go and ask them anything, but at the same time, Boychuk and Satterberg are going out of their way to go up to them and give pointers. And I think that's the value. Kowalski spoke about that. Lambert spoke about that. It's just, again, they've been through everything. You could ask them everything and they could give you an answer, but the fact that they're being so proactive, I think that's where the benefit is. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's nice to see them kind of hanging around. Nice to see the organization bringing guys like that back to kind of assist with the development of the players. You can't have enough guys on board to kind of help out with that. So that's good to see. But let's let's move into the main training camp here. And I guess let's take a look at some of the bigger storylines, right? Like you have very few spots. We look at maybe the, the wings on the third line with J.G. Pajot. Uh, maybe have a little bit of intrigue with uh, Sebastian Ajo versus Samuel Balduk as far as the sixth defenseman. So, Ethan, I'll start with you. Um, just looking at those guys, and I know it's only been a couple of days of training camp so far, but what have you seen out of those players, and, and what do you think the chances are of maybe Balduk supplanting Ajo in that sixth spot? Yeah, in, in my mind, I don't think that we're – I, I would guess that we're not going to get a sort of permanent resolution of from this out of training camp. Sure. I look at kind of Noah Dobson played it's 30-something or 40-something games in kind of his first full year with right. the team, and I see that as kind of can Bulldog get around this number of games, whether it's from rotating with Ajo, whether it's from other guys getting hurt. You know, I, I think that that, to me, is would represent a pretty worthwhile step in his development, and there's really no need to rush him into a big role, right? I mean, Ajo just had pretty easily the best year of his career. Yeah. They think he's dependable back there. Um, I don't think that there is really a, a pressing need to go and replace him. Sure. But obviously, Bulldog is somebody who should be in that role kind of in years to come. To yeah. Pi- to piggyback off that, I mean, last year, remember, uh, uh, Salo beat Ajo out for that starting right, job. Yeah. Went six games. Remember that guy? <laughs> he was, you know, he had some good games, some not so good games, and that was pretty much it for him. So again, like like Ethan said, Boldu could win the job, but after six or seven games, if it's not going well, Ajo has certainly proven that he could do it. Again, people don't want to give him credit, but I thought Ajo was like their second best defenseman in the playoffs behind Pulak. So I think riding off that, Ajo understanding that, hey, I just had a great year, it's definitely good competition, but like Ethan said, you don't want to rush Bolduc. And if he goes in there and gets a chance and struggles, you have Ajo. You don't have another major question mark, and that's a huge thing for the organization. Without a doubt, and, and let's keep it on the defense for a second. You have two guys that y- you have to figure the bar is being raised for, and that's that middle pairing in Noah Dobson and Alexander Romanov. Romanov coming off the injury, he uh, kind of heroically returned to the playoffs and tried his best to help the team get through that first round unsuccessfully. How have they looked in camp so far? Has there been any emphasis, for, especially for a guy like Dobson? We, we've talked about it on the show a lot, how he's got to pick up his defensive game. How have those guys looked so far? Now, in terms of Romanov, they're not, they're not too physical right now in camp, but sure. the fact that Romanov's on the ice, if there was any chance he wasn't 100%, he would not be out there. So I think that's that's a positive. He said that he's ready to go. He'll play game one. He's, uh, I think it was Lou said he would play with two broken legs. So like that's that's just Romanov. But I think in terms of, he looks good. 
And Dobson too, I think Dobson and Ethan probably could talk more about this too, is it's it's pretty much all confidence with him. He has the talent. We've seen it. It's right. not a player that hasn't shown it. Like for Dobson, I think it's just Barzal being back on the power play is going to help him a lot. But just having the confidence in his game, and I know Ethan did a, a huge piece on Dobson. Yeah. About skating. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I talked to him uh, for a good good amount of time the other day, um, and, and he was saying, you know, as much as we talk about kind of the next steps for him defensively, he said he thinks there's more in his game offensively, and, and that's where, I mean, he's been right around 50 points the last two years, and, and he says... I think I can take another step there. I think that's a great point to make because, you know, we all know how much the Islanders power play struggled last year, right? Yeah. 30th in the league. You can't do too much worse than that. And he managed to get 49 points in the season regardless of that. And he was a big part of that power play that wasn't so successful. And then you wonder how many points can this guy put up if they actually have a middle-of-the-road power play or maybe even just a 20th overall power play. 100%. Um, and, I mean, we saw... I think they were 12th in the league on the power play in 21-22, uh, and he was a big driver of that. Um, that was kind of where he w- was able to make a big impact on the game and break right. out and kind, kind of took a little bit of a step back or stagnated a little bit there last year, but we know that that, that kind of ceiling and that potential is, is right there in his game. Because I remember just stats out yep. of nowhere. I know for a fact, Dobson, the final 10 games of the year, didn't score a goal. And he went, there was a stretch during the year where he went 19 games. So the fact that he had that good of an offensive season, right. mimicking yeah. that year, like Ethan's saying, and what Dobson said is he's got more to give. Yeah, there, there's a 19, 29 games or so where he didn't produce. And the fact that he could do that now and take those steps, that's huge. Yeah, the wild thing is if, if he can find a little bit more consistency with that and, and get some more points in the power play, you might be looking at a 60, 65 point outing of him and maybe even a couple more votes in a, in a Norris trophy yeah. situation. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but, but you know, they look at those numbers and if he can get there, it, it might be a possibility. And and guys, I know it's it's still early in camp, but has there been any emphasis on special teams yet? Have they been running any drills that way? I don't think we've seen, uh, Stefan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've seen any power play penalty kill work nope. yet. Fair enough. They're saving that for later. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want us to see that stuff, you know? Right, right. They're, they're going to kick you guys out of, yeah. <laughs> out of the room when they start working on that. Well, look, as long as it works out, that's all that matters. So two other big names coming into this training camp. It's going to be their first training camp with the New York Islanders. That's Bo Horvat and Pierre Engvall. Uh, again, I know we're still a little early, but maybe you guys can just talk about them being there. Maybe they're just their overall attitude their vibe coming into camp and and how they've looked on the ice so far yeah I mean the sort of preferred line in the dressing room is you know them saying well we don't think this is the same team because Bo and Pierre are here which (laughs) which is quite literally it's not true but um but it's a good um, line though yeah it is and (laughs) and in theory having those guys for 75 80 games assuming they stay healthy that's huge for this team I mean Bo Horvat is we all talked about it when they traded for him the the Mm -hmm. sort of player who the Islanders kind of had needed to add for a long time and Pierre Engvall is someone who really you know has that kind of top six potential can really impact games and you know, what we saw him do last year, late in the year with the Islanders was really impressive and I think opened a lot of eyes because he yes. hadn't gotten that sort of a chance in Toronto. He had been blocked by a lot of their uh, kind of high-end guys. Yeah, I think that with Engvall coming in last year, the the expectations on the island were low. I mean, I'm sure, you know, plenty of people maybe at least knew who he was, but he wasn't really a standout name, especially behind all the ones that were over there in Toronto. But Pierre Engvall probably has a real chance to, to shine and, and, and earn that long-term contract that he got, right? Remember, I mean, again, Lou, Lou, when he acquired Engvall, and usually when he acquires players, he brings them back. But you looked at the reason he went and got Engvall is because Barzal and his speed were gone. 
and right. he go and get Engvall, right. and it just it just worked for whatever reason. Him, mm-hmm. Nelson, and Palmieri just carried the offense up after his arrival, like six or games in. Tim being on the island and in the playoffs, that was the best line. And for Horvat, this again getting traded midseason with kids, it was tough for him. He talked about it last year, the mental toll it took, and people. You know, the hockey players are getting paid this much money. Forget You can't forget about that stuff. And I think this summer, he got a house built, his family settled in. A yep. lot of pressure off him. And I think that that's obviously huge because I'm not saying he was playing with so much pressure, but I think mm-hmm. having a full summer to relax, get comfortable, you know, hang with the guys, get to know sure. a little more, I think right. that'll be huge as well. Yeah, no question. And and even though they did play a good 20, 30 games or whatever it is last year after they came in, I think there really is something to be said to actually being there for training camp and going through the motions and learning the system a little bit more. Because um, let's face it, they had to learn it on the fly last season when they joined the team. doesn't mean there's going to necessarily be a 15 goal or point output you know, increase because they're at training camp, but at least well, they can... Well, for Horvat's case, they're hoping. Well, <laughs> yeah, you kind of need that, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure, with all the, the investment that they put into them. But I think... I think that's what people are sleeping on outside of the island. You know, you have a lot of people that are picking the islanders to be outside of the playoffs, and, and that's fine. That, that's We're used to that here on <laughs> here on Long Island if you're not around here. But I, I think this team has a, has a chance to kind of surprise again. You know, having these guys having a full training camp and going through the motions. And, and also Lane Lambert getting his second, second training camp with these guys. I want to talk about him now. Uh, again, early in camp, but have you seen any, any more perhaps comfort with him a little more confidence or or is he is he running things a little differently how is how is Lane Lambert's approach look so far in training camp yeah I mean I think we saw last year that he's a pretty animated guy when he runs practice I think we've continued to see that honestly the place where I've seen him be more comfortable is when he's talking to us he seems to be okay a good amount more relaxed and a, a little bit more engaging which is it helps us do our jobs better sure. and we appreciate that but i mean i look i think with with any job in any situation your first year is going to be you're kind of learning things you're learning people you're learning the role and even in lane's case where obviously he'd kind of been there been been the associate coach for for a while mm-hmm. it's different when you when you Absolutely. when you are in that head role and yep. you know you're kind of you don't get to be everybody's friend all the time is kind of the cliche, right? Right. And I don't I don't think, I don't know if it happened last year. I'm just noticing it more. Is that he, he called over Engvall today to talk with him for like 30, 40 seconds about a drill. He did it with Horvat the other day. So it's not just him going up to youngsters and trying to get them going. Like, it's the vets. And he's going, mm-hmm. it seems like he's talking more Romanov too. Okay. So again, I think, I think he learned a lot after last year. I'm not, people want to blame him for what went wrong last year, but the guys in the room all credited Lane for getting him through that hard times in January and February and things like that. So I think for Lane, like this is this is a huge year for him, obviously. But I, I think just getting a year under your belt, just so much more comfortable. Again, on the ice and talking with us. Yeah, very curious to see how Lambert settles in in his second year. I think, you know, on top of the players, I think there's also going to be a lot of focus on him and the job that he does throughout this year. But we're already 15 minutes in the show, so let's take a little break here. Folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in here to Hockey Night New York, new season. Very excited to be back here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> if you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. 
And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. I'm, of course, my co-host Stefan Rosner and Ethan Sears of the New York Post. We're going to pick it up here and talk a little bit more about training camp. So we were just talking about Lane Lambert. What about these line combinations? Again, I keep saying it. I keep prefacing here early. They're looking at pairings. They're looking at how guys match up. But maybe you guys can talk a little bit about the guys that he's put together so far. Yeah, um, well, uh, we mentioned earlier he's kind of had Arnaud Durando with uh, right. with Barzal and Horvat, and kind of the theme so far has been they've wanted to pair uh, younger players with the kind of veterans we've seen Isaiah George skating with Ryan Pulak, for example. And, um, you know, I think it kind of goes without saying that those are not going to be their opening night sure. lines and pairs. Right. But, um, I, you know, I kind of like the organizational philosophy of it because we talk about young guys coming to training camp and getting that experience. Well, that doesn't quite mean much if you're just going to be skating with the same guys who you're skating with in Bridgeport. Um, You're going to get more out of it. If you're skating with NHL guys, letting them, you know, get a chance to kind of take you under their wing and that kind of thing. And obviously there's going to be a point and I would imagine that point will be soon where they're going to have to start rolling out lines and pairs that that look a little bit more, uh, for lack of a better word, real. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I guess we're not quite there yet, which is which is fine. It's only been three days. For sure. So, Stefan, it's a, it's a little hard to do because uh, Kyle Palmieri has been out on maintenance, and I want to talk about that a little bit with you guys too. But but I know you've been heavily emphasizing keeping that second line together of Engvall, Nelson, and Palmieri. Is that something you think is going to happen? And maybe you can just talk a little bit about why that's something they should, they should focus on. Yeah, I think the main reason you bring Engvall back, again, is for that line. Let's say you let Engvall go, right? And that line, Nelson and Palmieri, whoever they put on that wing, just does. I feel like you owed it to that line to bring Engvall back. And again, Engvall could play on the third line. He could play on that top line. I think Barzal hinted at it, that they could, mm-hmm. that could happen at the golf adding. I just think with whatever reason why it worked, it just did. And I think you're at a point now where the last couple of years, Nelson's really carried the offense. And now that you have Horvath and Barzal for a full year, you shouldn't have to. Like, again, he was a one-person line, essentially. And now that he has people on his side, like a healthy Palmieri, if he is healthy, and Engvall, it takes a lot of pressure off Nelson having to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think it works. The speed, Engvall, yeah, he's not going to rack up 30 goals and 50 assists, whatever. It's just his ability to help transition. I think with that top line, having Horvat and Barzal for transitioning, mm-hmm. Nelson's not a slow guy, but Engvall just makes that line so much more dangerous. And again, having Palmieri, who I think is their best long-distance shooter, mm-hmm. and a guy that could also drive the net, mm-hmm. it, those three players just all bring something different that makes that line. Again, if you're an opposing team, you got to choose now which of your top pairing is going against which line. It's not as easy as putting the top one against Barzal and the second against Nelson because you'll get burned. Yeah, and it's definitely something that I think fans should be keeping an eye on just just for the intrigue. It's just how that top nine really kind of kind of comes out. You know, we, we've talked about a little bit already who's going to play with Pajot on his wings. But also, I think a lot of this is going to come down to just... The big question, like what to do with Anders Lee, 
And I think he's going to have he's going to have a big influence on how the rest of the line shake out, because, you know, I even see it on Twitter and between the fans and stuff like that. There's a lot of talk about where you put this guy. Is he it does he have the foot speed to be on the top line with with Matt Barzell and and Bo Horvat? Can you put him on the third line with J.G. Pajot? Does he have the foot speed to, you know, be more in more of a checking role? And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to slightly, you know, play devil's advocate against your second line here and say that I feel like you might have to slot Lee on the second line with Nelson. Nelson and toy with maybe a guy like Paul Mary or Engvall on the first line with with Horvat and Barzell. I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out. But Ethan, what are your thoughts on Anders Lee and kind of where he sits in this lineup? He scored 28 goals last year. He's obviously in his 30s now. He may, he maybe lost a step. That that kind of revealed itself a little bit in the playoff series against Carolina. Uh, what have you seen from Lee so far, and where do you think he might end up? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I think from watching him live, kind of like you said, there there were times last year where you thought. You know, maybe he's not quite the same mm-hmm. guy in front of the net as he's been before. Maybe right. he has lost a little bit, and obviously he had that knee injury a couple of years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And then you you kind of look at the advanced stats, and I think you know if you, if you buy into that, um, sure. his individual expected goals last year was a career high, which ah, surprised so me okay. on a on a personal level. Okay, that's all the big way of saying I don't quite know. <laughs> I have no um, idea, <laughs> but that's all right. But um, I would be curious if I were them to kind of try him in those different roles, see see if something works. My inclination would be to keep that second line together because if it isn't broke, why would you try to fix it? But sure. I don't think there's any harm in does Pierre Engvall's speed make sense mm-hmm. with Barzal and Horvat, especially if mm-hmm. you kind of decide that's not a place where you want Anders. That to me is kind of the X factor there in, in keeping that line and I, together. And I think one big question regarding Lee is where they play Wallstrom. Again, Wallstrom's coming yeah. to camp. He he's saying it's the best he's ever felt. He looks, I mean, he looks completely healthy. He looks like he has mm. the strong mental game as well, which you need from a guy like that. But we even saw today is on some line rushes, Barzal was on his off wing, and I bring that up because a guy like Wallstrom, I hear a lot of people saying just put him on that top line and right. have it Wallstrom, right. Horvat, and Barzal. And to me, again, it took Wallstrom pretty much until Lambert's first year to truly grasp how to play a two hundred foot game mm. alongside Pajot. And I think again, coming off a major, this is a major injury. The last thing I think they want to do is put him on his off wing and, and do that kind of stuff. So I think, again, if you're going to keep Wallstrom on the third line, that definitely impacts where you play Lee because you have fashion too in a healthy fourth line. But I think if they if they do say, hey, let's, you know, maybe Lee should play in the third line, which, which I'm against, but because just of the defensive prowess of that line and you have to trust Lee's foot speed, then maybe they do think, hey, can Wallstrom play with Barzal and Horvath and you move Barzal to his offing or are they comfortable enough putting Wallstrom on his offing? So I think a lot of it has to do with Wallstrom and how comfortable he is early in the year because we saw with Lee when he came back. Mm-hmm. Remember, he scored in his first game back, but then yeah. it took a little bit for him. And I think sure. with Wallstrom, if you just throw him in the top six, it might be a little too much mentally and physically on him when he's so comfortable alongside Pajot. And to keep it on Wallstrom, you mentioned this on Twitter and I think you did a piece on him. Uh, to start a camp here, you mentioned something about him gaining a lot more confidence through the injury, which I th- yeah. which which stood out to me. I said, "Wow, you know, he he's been injured, he's been off the ice, he's been trying to you know make his way back, and and he and he emphasized the fact that he's feeling a lot more confident than he has in the past." So maybe you can just tell a little bit about where that's coming from. What has him so confident? Yeah. So what he said was, is during his rehab process, he was able to focus on so many more aspects that if he was healthy in a full season, he couldn't do, like nutrition, building his muscle mass, just strengthening other areas of his mm. game. I even asked him today, and I'll have a. Piece on it either tomorrow or Monday. He said watching from above was so important for him. Because again, on ice level, watching from above is such a different aspect. You're seeing how sure. things break out. And he said he learned a lot from that. He said, of course, the rehab was tough to watch and not play. But I think, yeah, I think the confidence is that he feels amazing. 
He worked on areas of games he hasn't worked on before. And the, just overall confidence in his game, again, working on those areas, I think gave him more of an appreciation of, I'm 23, I'm fully healthy now. Now's my time. He said to us, his attitude this year is effort. Go out there. And, <laughs> right, he said he's been right. preparing for the season for nine months. Yeah, now yeah. it's the time for him to just go and play. And I think he said something to that, if, if Ethan, I don't know if you remember. Last year was kind of, I don't know if it was effort mindset, but he said he just wanted to go have fun. Mm-hmm. But I think now, losing a year of your career, pretty much a full year, a half a year, whatever it is, he's not taking anything for granted anymore. So I think this is, a, obviously it's a make or break for you because he's on a one-year deal. I think this is the time for Walsham to show it and he's ready. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm the Islanders, Everything he said is ex- exactly what I want to hear. I yes, mean, for sure. he said, you know, he said the thing about having that effort attitude, but, you know, he, I think the quote was, this injury is the best thing that ever happened to me or, or something like yeah. that. Like a which blessing is, in disguise or something yeah. which like is, that, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost beyond blessing in disguise. It's, I mean, I mean that's like a drastic <laughs> thing to say, right? <laughs> right? But, I mean, he's someone who, we all know that potential, the shot that he has, the physicality that he added to his game. So, you know, if he's going out there with the right, attitude and has the right mentality and and obviously kind of recovering from from the injury is is a big part of that as well but he's he's on a one-year deal i mean yeah it kind of goes without saying that like you know most restricted free agents his age don't sign one-year deals that's a little bit of a hey go go prove something like yeah the islanders want to see him go prove something he wants to go prove something that's a that's a great mindset to have. And, and to add to that too is again being on the one year deal is this is the year for Walsham to prove that he's not just an NHL player. We think we know that, but top six or bottom six because if he proves he's not a top six player, they have so many bottom six guys that just play a bottom six mm-hmm. role better. Right. And again, younger guys, whether it's a Dufour or Maggio, that again don't have that amazing top six potential that Wallstrom had. So I think for him, this is huge. And I think also having those young guys on the door doorstep will push him more because last year at camp, you knew it was Bells and Wallstrom making the team. There was young guys, sure, but mm-hmm. there wasn't that much competitive. Now you have Godier here, Fashing here, even John. You have guys here that are NHL caliber guys. So Wallstrom can't just go in there, and he's not, thinking that he has a spot because it's, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, Walls, Wallstrom definitely has the, the potential to be one of those X factors for the Islanders this year. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, how long have we talked about just needing that sniper, needing that guy that can score, helping the power play, whatever it is. And, and this could finally be that year. And I know these words have come out of my mouth in the show before. Like, oh, we're going into another year. This could be Wallstrom's year to be that guy, right? And, and hopefully it finally is. If, if he can stay healthy and if he is feeling as confident as he says and he goes in with a, with a healthy mindset going into the season and, of course, if Lambert gives him a chance, which it really sounds like he is because I see the quotes that you guys are pulling out from and it looks like he likes what he's seeing so far, right? Yeah, and I think, again, with, with, with Wallstrom, just going back to it is he has no, he has no choice. Like this, this, <laughs> yeah. this really has to be it because, again, right. he could bounce around from team to team, but, you know, he loves it here. The, the, his teammates love him here. But, again, too, when you're in a cap world and if he becomes that sniper... Again, he's not going to cost, let's say he has a great year, he's not going to cost eight, nine, ten million. He's a homegrown sniper. Yes, the cap's going to go up, but it financially makes the Islanders' situation so much better if their sniper's here on a cheap deal. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And and maybe now we can just talk about the guys that are somewhat on a, on the men. Ethan, what's what's the I know the Islanders don't give much, <laughs> but Kyle Palmieri, he's had some maintenance days. Pajot has been sick, apparently. What's what's the latest on those guys? Yeah, uh, so Pajot was was back today. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's fine. Palmieri, we haven't seen. We haven't been told upper or lower body. Uh, we know that something happened in a kind of pre-training camp, uh, like a captain skate type of thing. Okay, um, okay. They're still calling it maintenance, still calling him day-to-day. Yeah. But when we asked, well, is he going to be on the ice 
before or sorry is he gonna be on the ice with the group because he has been skating on his own i think that's important to say but you know is he gonna be on the ice with the group before the the ranger game on tuesday we were told let's wait and see so okay <laughs> I don't know. We have no idea. That's fine. That's fine. And we're not doctors, but again, last year was head injuries for Palmieri. Right. The fact that he right. is, again, not a doctor, but the fact that he is skating, <laughs> yeah. I would think if he had a head injury, he would not be skating. So I think that that's I a positive that's, there. Sure. Um, but again, I, we, have, we have no idea. I, th- I think that's fair to say. So a little bit of a veteran leadership void being left behind this training camp when you, you see names like Josh Bailey, who first time, long time, not here, right? Josh Bailey's not there. Zach Parisi, at least for now, isn't there. Have you guys noticed anybody else maybe kind of stepping up a bit to fill those leadership roles? I think with with a couple of groups, it's tough to pinpoint. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lee's leading his group. Sezikis was leading his group. I think that's something to note. But last year when Clutterbuck was hurt and Bailey was out of the lineup, Nelson mm-hmm. wore the A. Right. So my, again, my assumption is that Nelson's going to get a letter. I think he's certainly deserved it through his play. Again, we're not. it's hard when we're not in the room to know which guys truly are those vocal leaders. I remember talking last year, and like Zach Parise, as much as we see that he's a leader on the ice, and, and he is in the room. He's a quiet leader, they said, mm-hmm. in the room. He doesn't have to say much. Gotcha. And there's other guys that are probably more vocal. So I think for me, it's Brock, just because we saw him where the A last year when leaders went down. Yeah, I agree. If, if you asked me to pick who it would be, it would probably be Brock, and probably for the same reason. It's still strange to me to see Gray in Brock <laughs> Nelson's hair. And he's in his prime. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. He keeps getting better by year. Yeah, he literally ages like a fine wine. But uh, no, it's good to see guys like him stepping up. And Stefan, I saw you mention on Twitter uh, that Matt Barzell's had a couple of uh, equipment changes. And obviously, most importantly, um, which devastated Islander fandom across the board is the the, the lack of locks here and and the haircut. What do you have to say about that? Well, one, he got a haircut. So, uh, <laughs> he, did, he did, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he got a haircut. But yeah, just I noticed yesterday he was wearing Warrior stuff. And I, I remember uh-huh. correctly, War CCM last year and, and stuff. And he just yeah. said he's just testing out some new stuff, maybe some new sponsorships. I don't know. Okay. And obviously, it's all feel for these guys. And sure. I, think, I think maybe Warrior came out with a new set of gloves and stick that he wanted to try. I don't know. I'm a goalie, so I don't really ever use that kind of stuff. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, why not try things, right? That's the whole point of camp. That is the whole point of camp. And I guess the, the last thing on camp, and obviously if you guys have anything else, bring it up, but what's the what's just the overall atmosphere and vibe from the players? I mean, are they enthusiastic? Are they optimistic? Serious, you know, uh, down to business? I mean, just what's been the vibe from the players so far? I mean, I think beginning of camp, everybody's in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Nobody's lost a game yet, right? <laughs> right. Like, right. Everyone's kind of excited to be back. You're not kind of... At that point where it's like day 10 out of 12 going to the rink and you're tired and you just want to like be on the couch and do nothing like everyone's in a good mood. Like players are in a good mood. Coaches are in a good mood. Staff is in a good mood. Us media is in a good mood. Like, (laughs) you know, you haven't beaten any stories to death yet. Like it's it's Mm. good. The the vibes are really good. The first few days of camp. (laughs) Yeah, I think talking to the players again, obviously you come back to camp and the pace is good. People they'll say that all, all day. But I think. The mindset is they came back to work and they're being worked hard. It wasn't like the first day where hey, everyone getting like they've been working hard. The skating has been I mean, I'm getting tired watching them skate like the last 15 or so 20 minutes of each session is back and forth and then laps. And then so they're they're really working and they're exhausted okay. in the room. So That's I think, good. again, people are no one's cutting. You, well, you can't really cut corners in camp, but you could tell like, hey, it's not it's zero to 100 real quick. 
And last thing I wanted to note about this, you know, Stefan, you and I talked about this, you know, last season with which how Lambert kind of pivoted from trying to open up the offense a little more. They struggled with that. They almost found their way on the outside looking in with the playoffs until they kind of shifted gears, went back to a little Barry Trotz hockey to a defensive style of hockey. Have you guys seen where that's going yet as far as what they're doing on the ice with training camp so far? Yeah, I think you're I think again, I'm noticing it more now than last year is a lot of the focus last couple of days has been the transition, which obviously the Islanders need to work on, but I think more of an emphasis on the forwards getting open for the D. I think that was a huge issue last year. I asked a couple of players about that. They said it hasn't been changed that much, but you can notice during their drills that they are focusing heavy on getting that forward to tell them that, that they're open mm-hmm. and guys hitting that, obviously, because that, again, that was a huge issue last year was breaking out of their own zone. A hundred percent, kind of like you said, that has been a, a constant issue for them since, yeah. I, since I've been covering this team, right. that's something where I think if you have Dobson playing more minutes, kind of like we talked about earlier, in theory, that should should be of help. We haven't quite seen tons and tons of, you know, strict defensive zone, offensive zone work yet. So it's maybe a little hard to say as to exactly where that emphasis sure. is going to be. But I think that's a great point, Stefan, on kind of how they're, they're working on transition. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so I think we covered everything we needed to cover in camp. Good stuff so far, guys. Uh, why don't we go into what's on tap? And now, it's time for what's on tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. All right, folks, it's time for what's on tap. And guys, we have hockey games coming up this week. They may not count, but it's going to be fun to see the boys back in blue and orange playing some hockey. And they got some division rivalries coming up Tuesday at the Garden to play the Rangers. Wednesday, back home to play Philly. And then Friday, they play the Rangers at UBS Arena. What do you guys think we're going to see in these preseason games? Are we going to see a lot of kids getting into these games, different line combinations? What, what are we expecting for these games? I, I think to start off is guys last year that didn't get into preseason games, like Maggio and, and George, if he stays up here, I think that's a huge thing for them, especially George, who we have not seen play. Again, he got hurt in rookie camp last year. This is a huge opportunity, again, Obviously, 98% chance he's going back to the OHL. But this is experience. I talked to him the other day. This is experience at camp. They didn't take back with him to juniors and how to prepare every day and what he's seeing from veterans. So I think, one, just opening up his his mind to what an NHL speed's like in an actual game. Mm-hmm. Maggio, same thing. But again, in terms of lines, we won't know. I think whatever game Horvat and Barzal playing, I think you will see Durando with them. Okay. For at least a period or two. I'm assuming okay. Lane's going to switch the lines up. Sure. Yeah, I guess to piggyback off that, I'll be paying close attention to kind of what the lines are sure. and, and the pairs in the preseason. I think right. that'll be kind of the first real indication we get of are any of these sort of early camp experiments going to become right. a little more than that? What do we kind of think that the the first crack that, that the coaching staff has at rolling out in an actual game and here's what we want the lines to be? It's an interesting, you know, it kind of gives you a base to work from. And I think the first two games, especially because we know that they're going to kind of start to pare down the camp size after the second just game. Just going to ask that. So you'll probably see maybe some of the lower end guys kind of fighting for their lives a little bit. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of those guys are necessarily in contention to make the roster, but mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting element. And then uh, with George specifically, I think we don't know exactly when he's going to go back to London, mm-hmm. and I would imagine that might depend on how he looks in his first game or two. Yeah, according to to what I'm seeing from you guys on Twitter, it seems like George is really opening some eyes here in camp, huh? I mean, you talk to everyone about him. Lambert yeah. keeps, you, you see the quotes. And yeah, yeah. He, he loves him, but I spoke to Pulak, and what Pulak said was is he's just so poised. 
And for such a young, again, 19, again, he's playing in juniors against younger people, Mm -hmm. obviously. But we see young guys stand out. It's usually for the wrong reasons, right? In these types of things, in prison, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, he's standing out for the right reasons. And when he's not standing out, it's not for the, like, he, sure, he's going to make mistakes, but he looks poised, wise beyond his years. The biggest thing Lambert said was tape to tape passing. And, he, and the vision, he could see the ice. And again, he's so mobile. I don't, I don't really know how you can compare him. Maybe speed and the mobile, mm-hmm. mobile ability like a Letty. But in terms of shutdown ability, and again, I'm not, I don't want to jump the gun here. But I mean, he's going against some top guys, and he's shutting them down. And I think, for, again, for a young guy at 19 to be able to do that when he's not a huge guy, he's tall, but he's not big. He's, again, he's still 19 to be able to do that now at this point. That's got to be huge for just his confidence and the organization's confidence in him. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And it's it's very encouraging to to hear, you know, another potential late round draft pick yeah. that's that's you know, maybe might be something for this that team. That draft in a in a hole. You got Maggio, George, traded and got Romanov during that draft, Odelius. Right. I mean, in a couple of years, that could you could look back at that draft and say you got four really well really good players you, late. You almost have to say the Islanders better better hope so because yeah. I mean we've <laughs> talked about so much how, you know, there's there's just a very empty cupboard when it comes to you know what's in the prospect line at least definitely no more really high end you know not first round second round guys so you know you got to hope that these guys pan out otherwise you know when when everybody else starts getting up in age on this team you might be a little little worried about you know where this team is going with a with a lack of prospects but so that's what's on tap we got some games coming up here rangers twice philadelphia flyers inching closer and closer to the regular season so that's great stuff i think we're going to take one more break but before we do want to talk about our friends at main street board game cafe in huntington village on long island's north shore games for sale and for open play food and drink beer and wine fun and friends bring the magic of phones down eyes up tabletop board games to your family our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases we have everything from strategic to easy party games get off your screens for a night your family will remember looking for meetups to join our magic the gathering dungeons and dragons Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all we also do party and corporate events located at 307 main street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So with that, we'll go to one more break. And when we come back, it'll be time for the Hero of the Week. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video, or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook, or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. 
Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, half price Hero, which this week is the Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic Hero. Stop on in to 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington all week to get half off the Selly. So let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about the Heroes of the Week. The games haven't started yet, but Stefan, I believe you have a little hero for us. I do, and it's William Dufour. I think in terms of prospect development, the thing the Islanders needed to see was his skating ability get better. And again, he's working on that year after year, but I think the biggest thing was his initial strides. He's fast. I mean, he's 6'5". He's fast when he gets there. The problem was getting there. And I think you're seeing now in camp, he's getting there very quickly. He's leading the drills in terms of the suicide skates. He's at the front. And the biggest thing, too, is he's not getting tired. You know, he, he worked really hard on his nutrition and working on that in the offseason. I think that was the next step for Dufour. We saw him play in one NHL game against the Bruins. Kind of unfair to put him in that situation against a juggernaut team. But he, he looked at a loss, again, first game, but also you could tell, you know, he wasn't ready. He comes into camp. He said, told me that this is the first summer he's really had. You know, last couple of years, he's played juniors and the world stuff. And things like that. Now we had the entire summer, again, Bridgeport didn't make the playoffs, to truly work, get in the gym, get on the ice, and really improve that area of his game. And he's done that. And I think that's huge because this was a player where you thought, you know, he's got an NHL caliber shot, but, you know, if you can't skate, you can't play in this league. He's put himself more in the conversation, like, wow, this guy could actually really pan out, maybe more than just a bottom six guy because he can skate now and keep up with people. Mm. It's huge. That's another promising thing to hear, just like we talked about. You need these young guys to pan out with the with the way their uh, their prospect pool is right now. Ethan, do you have a hero of the week? Sure, uh, I will <laughs> go with uh, I'll, I'll go with Isaiah George. Kind of like we touched on. Um, to me, he was really the the standout guy of rookie camp. I was really impressed just watching him and in some of these two on one drills, the poise he had um, in that setting. I'm almost kind of looking for is anybody kind of a cut above the rest of these guys. Um, and for me, I, I wasn't really expecting him to be sure, in that yeah, conversation yeah. coming mm-hmm, in. We hadn't mm-hmm. seen much of him. He got hurt during rookie camp last year. And mm. I think we only saw a day, day and a half of him yeah, on the mm-hmm, ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was in there. Um, I don't, I don't want to jump the gun. I don't think that he, you know, is, is going to be on the Islanders this year. And sure. honestly, I, I think it's too bad that, <clears throat> that, uh, that he kind of has to go to the OHL, right? Because if yeah. not, I think he's in that place where Bridgeport would be really valuable for him. But I mean, he's on my radar in a way that he probably wasn't a week and a half ago. So uh, yeah, Isaiah George. These are very encouraging things to see, but we won't know until they really get into the games, right? But it's definitely encouraging to hear. Now, I haven't been at training camp, so I haven't seen what the hell's been going on. (laughs) But I do have a hero of the week, and that is none other than Anders Lee. Fourth year now doing the jam cancer, and just hats off to him, you know, captain this team and and, and organizing the the cancer jam to to raise money for, for people affected and diagnosed with cancer. So just a hat tip to him for getting involved in the community, helping people on the island. He's really embraced his role as a captain for this team. So Anders Lee, we salute you. He is my hero of the week. So with that, how how you doing, Ed? How was your it's summer? Time for a um, wait, the, the new so Questions Bruins coming on. Ask us a question. Let it play out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, right. very, you're very fast with that trigger button, buddy. Yeah, you know. I'm I excited. I, I know you are. So, so you have a nice summer, pal? Yeah. You ready for a new season? Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's... Uh, wet and cold here on the island so it, it feels like hockey season a little bit it yeah. does we have muppets henson in the chat from toronto saying that, you know it's sunny there so oh, good shout for out them. to our good canadian fans yeah, it like... must be nice yeah it must be nice <laughs> it is no longer summer for us here 
Well, the most important question, though, Ed, is how how's your best friend Jay doing there next to you? My best friend Jay has uh, <laughs> this this grown man has been flipping me off for the past very start of the show, and I yeah. totally haven't retaliated. And well, that's, flipped him that's, off every I'm glad time you were able to control yourself. He uh, flips me off. No, I have. That's nice. That's nice. And Jake is keeping you company I'm back there, Jake. Yeah, new new Jake new is, pal of the show, Jake Jake the Snake Radonis over there. Jake the Snake Radonis <laughs> is. Uh, the man with the cam over yes, there. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so they say. All right. He's, well, he's how all how has the chat been? Have, have the questions been rolling in? The questions have been brewing. Love it for a Love while. It. I think we I think we start off tonight with Trotty A nineteen here. Let's do it. Seems a little disgruntled. Uh, <laughs> surprise! Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how the same roster as the last season, especially especially in the playoffs, will produce any different results. Not seeing it. And not too excited for the season. With Parise gone, it could be much worse. Who wants to take that? I one? can't answer this question anymore. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan, what? Yeah, let's get some fresh sure. thoughts on this, um, Ethan. Yeah, the case that 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 this will be different probably comes down to it's going to be a full season of Bo Horvat. It's going to mm-hmm. be a full season of Pierre Engvall, and Matt Barzal is healthy, and those are three pretty key pieces. Now, do I expect the Islanders to go and be a top two seed in the East and like? win 55 games and seriously challenge for the Stanley Cup but honestly probably not but okay you know I think there's probably enough here that they should be in a in a similar spot to last year where they should be right in the playoff hunt they should be a pretty tough out if they can get in and from there who knows yeah the conversations that I've been having with people about this team coming into the season is there are a lot of ifs and it just depends to me on how many of those ifs work out in their favor. Can Romanov have a full season of what we saw towards the latter half of last season? Can Noah Dobson figure it out defensively and perhaps add to his point production in the power play like we talked before? Can Bo Horvat be that 30-40 to 40 goal scorer that he was in Vancouver before he came over? Can Pierre Engvall step up here and, and become a more than just a middle-to-bottom six player? Uh, there's a lot of questions. Can Sebastian Ajo build off of his, his year last year? Again, a lot of ifs here. Are they all possible? Sure. Are they all going to pan out? We don't know. Is Adam Pellet going to stay healthy? If all these things are at least most of them fall into place. I think we see a team that can not only replicate what they did last season, but improve upon it if things fall the right way. Oliver Wallstrom brought him up before. If he can be a guy who can score 20 to 30 goals in a season, I mean, it could change the game for, for this entire team. And I think, you know, that's that's part of being a fan, right, Trottier? And right, you guys, like, it's it's, it's the optimism. It, it, the potential is there. It's just a matter of them putting these things into place. And, and you know, then they can have some success. And, and there's plenty of reasons to look at the, the negative side of those questions and say, you're not going to get all that stuff and, and things aren't going to go their way. But, but look... There hasn't been a, a puck drop yet in a game yet. Uh, th- this team can be successful. We'll see what happens. Next up from Joey Pickles. Do you think performance of the rookie class in camp being strong might open up more possible deals before the season starts? Due to our cap situation, any deals to increase talent may cause us to lose these potential bright stars, such as George, Maggio, Dufour. Do they try to package Salo since he seems to be the eighth D-man now? I don't think we see a trade happen before the year. But that being said, if some of these young guys do really well in Bridgeport and they get called up and outplay some of these vets, looking at the deadline, whether the Islanders are in the picture or not, could we see a guy like a Wallstrom who's on a one-year deal get moved? If those guys, if, if the Islanders feel like guys below Wallstrom are ready to make more of an impact and Wallstrom doesn't take those steps, I mean, you'd rather not let him walk, right? Yeah. Things like that. But I don't think we see a trade happen before the season. But these young guys certainly can put a lot of pressure on these vets. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before the season, I think, is probably unlikely. But the Islanders, if, if they're in a position to add, um, 
don't have tons and tons of draft capital to add <laughs> or with. cap space they, yeah they don't have tons of cap space <laughs> right. to add with right so i think the first place that you would look would probably be that group of players or like you said um someone like a wallstrom who is on a one-year deal and could could get supplanted uh depending how things go yeah i'm with you guys i think i think the staff you know you know lou on down through the coaching staff are going to see where the chips fall with these guys and you know if there's a deal to be made at all you're not going to see it until maybe 30 games into the season but and you won't know about it (laughs) well yeah clearly clearly you seem a little bitter about that oh no (laughs) we're good enough ed what do we got uh, next up from Tom Boyle. Tom has a few, and since it's his sixth month sub anniversary, hey. I think we should uh, congratulate Tom and right, thank way to him go, for Tom. His, we appreciate uh, the support. support. And uh, we'll read a few of your questions, Tom. But we'll start off with this one: Where do you see Durando in his development? I think he looks. We saw him last year for four games, and I think the biggest thing we saw from Durando was a lot of the prospects they called up was their defensive play. I've, his active stick. I mean, he had the most active stick I've seen in a while from a young kid. He just, when he got the chance to score, I think I did a story the other day, he had nine shots on goal, couldn't score. Now in camp, not only is he bringing that speed and shiftiness and that stick, he's burying all the chances that are being set up by Horvath and Barzal. And that's that next step. He told me the other day, he goes, I'm not 18 anymore. You know, I know that this is really when I have to do it. I think he's 24, turning 25. So he's got to make it now or, you know, risk seeing these other young guys pass him on the totem pole. So I think for Durando, he's done everything right to get a chance. And the biggest thing now will be in the preseason games when he gets a chance to score on a backdoor play or whatever the case may be with these two guys. If he gets that chance, he's got to bury because there's other young guys that are probably going to do a better job of burying. And again, he's not young anymore. To me, the biggest thing with him is just it's it's really hard to get an opportunity when the Islanders have this many guys who right. can slot right into that bottom six. You You know, he really needs to make himself stand out really needs to like you said bury those chances in in camp in the preseason because just kind of by virtue of where he's been compared to say Julian Gauthier you know has been on NHL rosters for the past few years you sort of almost start him with a disadvantage in your head in in camp and it's sort of on him to to prove that uh now I think he's done a good job so far. I I was impressed by him when he got called up last year I think he's totally capable of playing that role but you have to see it in the preseason. Uh, you have to see it all throughout camp, and you need to see him, if if he does check those boxes, you need to see him continue to do it in the regular season because we know how easy it is to lose those chances once you get them. I agree with everything both of you had to say. That's Ed, good. <laughs> what's, what's the next question? The, the next one from Tom Boyle is he asks, if injury occurs, which goalie is closest to be recalled? It's Skarik by default because Lennox is coming from his last year in juniors. He's going to come in, whether he's the second guy in Bridgeport or he starts in the ECHL. Taikinen played his first time in North America last year in the ECHL. Appleby's a vet. He could certainly do it, but they Skarik's been there and he's he's ready with Corey Gaughan to be that number one. And he was also emergency recalled in the playoffs because they carry three goalies. He was up there getting to work with the goalie coaches. So I think just by default, it would be Skark. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah. And, and, and I would also, I mean, I think unless there's, unless there was a pretty long-term injury, they will, they have in the past gone to pretty, gone, gone to pretty big lengths to make sure that the number three goalie does not really play That's Corey, fair. Schneider, yeah. got the, Corey Schneider got the one game right that was after they were already out of playoff contention right right last year when Corey was around he he didn't play they gave uh I think they gave Sorokin a back-to-back or two yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good point that's a good point Ed what do you got 
that's seemingly it for questions. Is that right? That is right. Unless I'm a little hesitant to read this one from Trotty19. It has nothing to do with hockey. Oh, boy. But the question is, do I have Chinese food or Italian <laughs> food for dinner? Chinese. I'm going to go Italian. I, I went Italian. Yeah, Italian so food is my number one, man. No question Evan? about it. Ethan, Ethan, where do you fall on that it, scale? If, if you're going out, Italian. If you're ordering in, Chinese. Oh, he's ordering uh, that's a, in. That's I think a good one. In. That's a good one. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm Italian across the board here, in, yeah. in or out. I'm, I'm, I'm going with oh, Italian. I, oh, we got Enzab with a with a the last minute with, with an Islander question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. What are your expectations for the season? Playoffs <laughs> or a high draft pick? I'm going to go with Ethan here. What do you got? To me, it, That's this Ethan. team should be in the playoffs. I think if they're not, you need to probably evaluate a lot of things. I think that's a fair, fair answer, Steph. And you have anything? To I add think there? they finish in a wild card spot. Yeah. I just think if we talk about the ifs, right? If sixty to seventy percent of the ifs work out for them, it's not going to take eighty-two games to find out if they're it or not. I think they could lock up a wild card spot, maybe a couple of weeks early. So I think again, this is a team that should be in the playoffs. Well, let, I have a question for you guys. Based on what you've seen so far, and there's and there's plenty to come here. But who is your first call up on offense, and who is your first call up on defense? Me first. Sure. I think the way Camp's gone, Durando's your first call up. Okay. I just think, again, they're trusting him early on to be with Horvat and Barzal, and he's played quite well. And then in terms of defense, I, I think you might have to look at, I'm going to say Grant Hudden for the sole reason that he probably would have been recalled last year if he was, he had a long-term injury last year. This is a guy we saw play during the COVID. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he played, I think, that first week when UBS opened, right? Or the, that first week because of the injuries. And I think he's very stable back there. He's not going to stand out for anything, but... He's just a, a veteran type of guy, and I think if not him, and maybe you see Sallow get that chance. I'm not sure, but I think I think Hudden okay. would for me. I think just in terms of bringing someone up for a stable one or two games, Hudden probably has the best chance. Any thoughts there, Ethan? I think I, I would probably go with Sallow over Hutton. Okay, it's, it's close. Mm-hmm. You can go either way. Sure, and might depend on who gets hurt yes, or whatever. Yeah. Sallow yeah. could yeah. play both sides also, mm-hmm. which is an advantage. Yeah, and. I probably agree on Durando. Okay. I think DeFore is close, but because Durando looked better in his sort of call-up last year, I would probably go with him. Maybe depends a little bit on exactly who gets injured or exactly what role you want to fill, but yeah, I, I think I would say Durando by a hair. And okay. obviously it's going to be who, who's, I mean, if Maggio is playing better than those two guys in right. Bridgeport, you know, right. you, yeah. you got to give those guys a chance that are that are there. Yeah, we still got a lot to, to see what develops as far as, you know, what these guys do in Bridgeport and whatnot. So for sure. But it's nice to get an early indication on what may or may not happen. And Ed, are we still, uh, we still clear on the questions here? I think we're clear. Everyone's just chatting amongst themselves at this point. That's great. I hope everybody's having a good time. Well, then yeah. with that, I think we can wrap this thing up. So why don't you hit that outro music? That's it. Let's go. So, folks, want to thank you all for hanging out here with our season warm-up show here at Floored Media in Rockville Center. Really excited to get this season going here. Thanks for tuning in at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. Want to send a huge thanks to our pal here, Ethan Sears from the New York Post, for joining us, coming down to the studio. Thanks a lot, bud. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Absolutely, no question about it. And, of course, a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islet. Remember, go to bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order ahead. And a huge thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And also another big thanks to Floored Media here in Rockville Center. 
Love being here. Wonderful studio. Really looking forward to another season here at Floored. So big thanks to Jay and everything going on here at Floored Media. And folks, want to remind you guys all to please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word, and follow us on all the socials, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call that thing. But yes, please tune in and subscribe. It's going to be a really fun year. Got a lot of good guests coming up here. And we're going to be firing up October at Blue Line Deli next Sunday. Stay tuned for a time. Stay tuned for guests. That's going to be a good show there, too. Going to be a lot of fun. So, folks, for Stefan Rosner, for Ethan Sears, for Ed, Jay, and my boy Jake, thank you so much for tuning in. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you next time. <laughs>